Good morning, all listeners. It's Saturday, January 27th, 2024. It is 8.15 a.m. Pacific time, and this is episode 301 of Ball Talk with Boogie and the Baron. Ah, Boogie! And I am the Baron, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another awesome episode of Ball Talk with Boogie and the Baron. We are here in the studio live with you guys here this morning. A lot to talk about. Our first annual this year, our first yearly college basketball card is about to get announced. We have seven games on the docket today. We also have two plays for you tomorrow in the NFC and AFC championship games. And let's get right to it, Boogie. We want to start, though, with a couple of coaching carousel moves here. Based out of the national championship winning Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh played quarterback at Michigan, played quarterback for the Chargers, coached Michigan, now coaching for the Chargers, Harbaugh to the Chargers, and upstart offensive coordinator Sharon Moore gets promoted, and he will take Harbaugh's spot. So Harbaugh coaches the Chargers next year, Sharon Moore coaches Michigan. I think it's a great move. Uh, Harbaugh actually did what he needed to do. Uh, revamped his Michigan uh, alum to be able to become the national champs this past year. Uh, He did everything that he was supposed to do, NCAA sanctions, obviously. Uh, He wanted some more, uh, I guess, guarantees that he wasn't going to be touched, kind of like the Don, and uh, instead he didn't want headaches. Chargers offered him an enormous amount of money and uh, less headaches, so I think it was a great move for him. Obviously, the ultimate goal was to get a Super Bowl win, uh, losing uh, in the Super Bowl uh, about 10 years ago to, um, you know, his, actually his brother, uh, to the Ravens when he was coach of the 49ers, so that's his ultimate goal. Uh, The Harbaugh family is a very smart family, intelligent uh, and great coaching carousel in that family, led by his dad, his brother, and now him uh, in the NFL and also in college football. So great job for him. In comes offensive coordinator Sharon Moore, uh, who led them when Harbaugh was suspended uh, to a 4-0. And obviously those last three most important games to get yeah. them to the playoffs and ultimately giving it back to Harbo to be able to win uh, in, in the playoffs and, and the national championship. But I think it's a great move. I think the, the team respects him. And I believe that uh, I don't think you'll see a lot of uh, players from that uh, transfer portal. I think they really respect Sharon Moore. And I think it's a great job uh, to be able to do in-house hiring. Sharon Moore signed a five-year deal to be Michigan's head coach. Like you mentioned, undefeated in the four games that he coached this season in Harbaugh's absence. The players play hard for him. They respect him. And uh, he's, a, he's a good leader. Um, had a good mentor below him or above him with Harbaugh there. So it doesn't look like Michigan's going to go anywhere anytime soon. And what does all this mean now for the revamped Los Angeles Chargers now that you get the head coach? We talk about it all the time. To be competitive in this league, you need that head coach quarterback combo. And even if you dial this down to the final four teams here, I mean, Goff and Dan Campbell. I mean, you got Purdy with Shanahan, and obviously the Niners have the most stacked roster in the league, so that helps. Purdy's probably the only one that's doubted out of the four quarterbacks left. You have Reed, 
with Mahomes, and you have Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Where does where do the Chargers go now? Because obviously they're at their floor right now with having Harbaugh with Herbert. Obviously, an experienced coach who wins everywhere he goes. Goes to the Super Bowl with the 49ers, loses to his brother, wins a national championship with Michigan. Does this move, with what Harbaugh brings to the table, with what Justin Herbert can do, they're loaded on offense with weapons all over the place, potentially some holes on defense that they could fill up using draft capital, free agency, stuff like that. Are the Chargers a playoff team next year with the Herbert and Harbaugh combo? I think absolutely. I really do. I think that uh, it's, it's all about culture. As we've been hearing, it's it's culture that he brings, and it's a winning culture mm-hmm. that he brings to the table. Yes. Um, you know, down year for Austin Eckler this year uh, on the running back side for the Chargers. But watch out because, you know, coming from the college ranks, you will also see Harbaugh maybe even draft some of his Michigan players, including none other than the – Leading rusher for Michigan this past year, Blake Corum. Blake Corum. So watch out for his name. Um, they might bring in, an, you know, a, a couple of other free agents. They're probably going to have to get rid of one of their uh, leading defensive players mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get some of that money back. Uh, yeah. But I think he's smart enough to be able to uh, to build this winning culture with the Chargers, who've just had no direction, even though they've had some offensive stars. Yeah, and also if you look at the Chargers, like the I mean, since they got Herbert as their starting quarterback, they've been playoff bound. They've been in the mix every year, and I think what was holding them back was the head coach Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. We all remember the collapse against Jacksonville, you know, leading 31-3 to at the half just to lose 34-31 in a wild card game uh, last the year. Raiders just a couple of years ago to get into the playoffs. Yeah, so they've been right there, and I think with the proper guidance, this team now catapults themselves to be competing with uh, Kansas City for AFC West championships. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kansas City's won this division every single year since Mahomes has been there. This might catapult them to new heights, and you might get uh, – you might hear some noise from the Chargers, and like I said, with uh, them hiring Sharon Moore at Michigan, doesn't seem like Michigan's going to go anywhere um, with him at the helm. So I think it's a, a good move for, for both coaches, um, and I'm interested to see how Harbaugh does and how Sharon Moore does with Michigan. So Absolutely. It's going to be good to see. Um, we want to kind of dive into to these picks because we do have a, a 9 o'clock spot that – we are interested in. Um, just to tease you guys a little bit, these seven plays in college today are going to be all teams that are residing at home. After chalking up the numbers, the seven teams, Boogie, that we're about to give out are 70-5 and five at home. Oh. Um, for those of you that haven't been following college basketball the way we have, home teams and major conference play this year have dominated. Um They've already broken the record for the most amount of ranked teams to lose to unranked teams, and it's January 27th. There's been 84 ranked teams that have lost to unranked teams. Most of it's on the road. But with that being said, the parity in college basketball, how there's not a juggernaut, you have the transfer portal, you have NIL. A few years back, they started evening out the scholarships being able to be given out Mm -hmm. by each program. This is going to make for potentially 
the best March Madness ever. Anything can and happen. We, and what's great about that is we say that every year, and mm-hmm. every year it never disappoints. That's right. It never disappoints. You think about last year's tournament. It was won by a three seed with UConn. You had a Florida Atlantic team in there. I mean, San Diego State, a five seed. I mean, <clears throat> it's unbelievable. Kansas State came out of nowhere. There wasn't a single one seed in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... This year, we were, the countdown is on. You know, we're approaching 50 days until Selection Sunday. <clears throat> A short seven weeks away. A lot of teams to look at. I don't think I've ever seen a year like this year at this point where I feel like there's like 30 teams that can win the national championship. Yeah. Um, Prior to UConn last year going on that fantastic run, it was kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. You had a whole bunch of teams that could win this thing. UConn was a team that got hot, dominated the tournament, won every game by double digits. And that's what it's going to take. There's 30 teams that could do exactly what UConn just did last year. What's going to happen this year? I can't wait to see it. 9 o'clock though on ESPN, we have ourselves a game and we do not have ourselves a problem. <laughs> we go back to old reliable. For those of you that have been following us for the last four years, generally the Houston Cougars, who are fourth in the country, 17-2, and two, new to the Big 12, mm-hmm. fitting just right in with the Big 12. <clears throat> generally, they play on Sunday. And I remember a couple years ago, we bet them every single Sunday. And they cashed every single Sunday. I mean... Except for against <clears throat> Memphis. <clears throat> and we knew to be able to bet them against Memphis, That's too. Right. And this team is a lot like that team from a couple years ago that went to the Final Four. They got LJ Cryer in the portal from Baylor. Jamal Shedd is still there. They have other guards. Uh, Emmanuel Sharp played professionally overseas. They got the big man, and they got Ralph Sampson. Houston is back to be in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking number one in the nation in defense, right back to where they were a couple years ago. Undefeated at home. And when you look at some of the games that they've played at home, they absolutely destroy teams at home. Did you know they beat UCF in their last home game 57-42? Do you know what the score was at halftime of that game? What was it? It was 26-11. to Oh, wow. Teams do not score against Houston at Houston. Oh, Samson's just got them rolling. That's going to prove to be problematic. We're talking about a team that is undefeated at home, Number one in Ken Palm, fourth in the country. They have a huge advantage here. Them in Kansas State, they're playing Kansas State who's having a decent season themselves. They're playing Kansas State, they score the same amount of points. But Houston gives up 16 points a game less than Kansas State does. There's your difference right there. And our line is 15. Yep. When you look at this game at how this could play out, there's only one way to go. And what's funny is a lot of people are going to look at this and see that big name Kansas State getting 15 points and they're going to jump on it. 
Not so fast, my friend. Houston, we do not have a problem. Houston is a 15-point home favorite. I think this is a 20-point dub for the Cougars, and they are going to blow Kansas State out. Boogie and I's first play, old reliable Houston Cougars minus 15 at home against Kansas State. Yeah, we got Houston all over the place right now. Houston is uh, defense. Obviously, it's been really efficient. Um, Calvin Sanson's got them rolling. They've got a uh, great – the transfer portal, again, gets LJ Cryer after a few guys uh, graduate, uh, lose them to the NBA. You still got Shed there, and they add in a couple of great freshmen. Uh, this defense, though, is still very good. They're at home where they take care of business oh, yeah. and not just win but blow out teams. Uh, so Houston minus 15 is our play for this game. And they have those big boys down in the paint now, too, with Jawan Jer- uh, Roberts and yes. Javier Francis. Yes. Both standing at about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and they are physical. And then you got that you got a, a three-guard combo. Mm-hmm. LJ Cryer, Emmanuel Sharp, Jamal Shedd. They're better on the perimeter. They're better inside. Field goal percentage defense, points a game allowed, rebounding the whole nine yards. Kansas State does not hold a match to Houston, especially in Houston. Oh, when they see this defense, K-State is, <coughs> is going to be very, very, very scared. A win here for Houston can catapult them to at least a share for first place in the Big 12 because the team that's number one in the Big 12 right now, surprisingly, is Texas Tech, who comes in at 4-1 and one in conference play. They visit a very good Oklahoma team led by Porter Mosier. I'll allow Boogie to dive into the defensive analytics of this game as to why we came up with this pick. Um, Texas Tech's on the road. Oklahoma, a very good home team. And they're out for blood because they just came off a loss to Texas in that rivalry game. You know how rivalry games can get, throw the records out the window. Yes, sir. Perfect bounce back spot here. For Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma being at home, their first home loss of the year. Don't see them losing back-to-back games in that field house against Texas Tech. And Oklahoma is 11th in the country right now, where Oklahoma sits at three and three in conference. A win here can catapult them to four and three and drop Texas Tech. For those of you that don't know, the Big 12 is the best league in all the country by far, and. Things are going to be tight. I mean, we're talking it's going to come down to the last game of the year to get ourselves an actual tournament bracket for the Big 12 this year. And that Big 12 tournament is going to be must-see TV. Oklahoma, though, is going to beat Texas Tech today. That's our second play. Oklahoma money line minus 165. Uh, Boogie, tell the listeners a little bit about how Texas Tech struggles against good defensive teams. Oh, So Texas Tech cannot take care of business against the Oklahoma team. They have a defensive struggle. Oklahoma also is top four in defense uh, efficiency against the three, top four against the uh, field goal percentage, and of course, uh, when it comes to scoring, they can't score on the road either. So we go Oklahoma here. They should take care of business, and we like them minus 165 on the money line, Oklahoma Take care in business at home. That's at 11 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Also at 11 o'clock, this is on ESPN2, we have Texas at BYU. BYU is also a newcomer in the Big 12, and they are also transitioning pretty well at 14-5, and five, number 21 in the country. 
And Texas is coming off their uh, a couple of really big wins at home against Baylor and at Oklahoma. They're running hot r- uh, right now, and I think this is where it fizzles out. Going up to Provo to play is a very difficult task. The uh, It's a different breathing mechanism up there. Um, the Big 12 teams are not really used to going up that far in the mountain and stuff. And uh, if, for those of you that haven't watched BYU, they can mm. flat out shoot it, man. This team, 84 points a game, top 10 in the country. Um, and they're coming off back-to-back losses against formidable opponents. Every night in the Big 12 is a dogfight. Houston? they Yeah, they lost to Houston in a really good game by seven. They lost to Texas Tech. No shame there. Texas Tech's first in the conference. We just talked about that. But to give Houston a good fight and then have to bounce back here and play Texas at home coming off a big win. At home, big opportunity for the Cougs. And I think BYU gets this done. Watch out for BYU this year in the NCAA tournament. Kind of gives me those vibes when they came in as a three seed with Jimmer for debt. And then Brandon Davies got kicked off the team. And they ended up losing in the Sweet 16 to Florida in the 2-3 matchup. Kind of gives me second weekend kind of vibes here from BYU if they if they can get hot from downtown in the tournament. But at home, this team just rains threes. And uh, I think it's going to be really hard for Texas to go back-to-back here um, after winning a couple of games. Uh, the line is seven. We're projecting about a 10-point win for BYU. I think they could lead wire to wire here and get a double-digit win. So Boogie and I, third pick, we stay in the Big 12 with BYU minus 7. Yeah, we've talked about how strong this conference is. I mean, we had Kansas lose at West Virginia, a Kansas top 10 team. West Virginia, horrible team this year, Mm -hmm. unranked, wound up winning outright at home against Kansas. Uh, Also, Kansas lost to UCF. Um, also on the road. Houston lost. This great Houston yep. team lost on the road at Iowa State. Again, another conference leader. Texas Tech was throttled by Houston as well. So we're looking at another team that's played. Uh, and now you're looking at a Texas team <coughs> playing on the road against a high-altitude BYU. I've been watching this team all season long. Uh, conference uh, has now started, but I was watching them during the holiday season. Uh, they are a scoring machine. They're at home. Uh, if you haven't read, this uh, arena at the Marriott Center is going to be sold out. Uh, it's going to be m- amazing up there right now for your BYU fans. Uh, again, Texas has also had their struggles against stopping opponents from the tournament, <coughs> ranking 230th in three-point field goal percentage. Watch out for Noah Waterman. Yeah. He is one of their best players. He's going to be raining threes. And Texas will go ahead and not cover this spread. BYU minus seven is our play. Well, when you look at what they do really well, um, they're second in the nation to Wisconsin, who is a very good basketball team this year, who beat Michigan State last night handily. Uh, second in the nation in assists. Uh, this team shares the basketball. They got a really good team chemistry going up there. And that crowd, it, we already looked it up. It's going to be a sold-out crowd with Texas coming to town. I think Texas in for a buzzsaw. We like a double-digit win, BYU covering seven. Man, it's almost like we're betting the entire Big 12 because our fourth 
Big 12 game in a row is TCU and Baylor. 1 o'clock on ESPN2. This game will actually follow the BYU-Texas game. And the Baylor Bears are at home. And I'm going to tell you one thing about the Baylor Bears. Scott Drew got his team playing a lot like that team that we saw win the national championship a couple of years ago. Mm. This is another team that I believe could really make a run at this thing at the very end. Biggest stat in this one, Baylor is 10-0 at home this season. They have not lost a basketball game at home. And they're also in a perfect bounce-back situation because their last two games – They were on the road. They lost in overtime at Kansas State, and they lost at Texas by two. Perfect opportunity for a bounce back back at home. This is just another team. Scott Drew, does this guy just always have good guards? Always. He always has good guards. He has a West Virginia transfer in the paint to go with Jonathan Chamochachua. Yep. And great guards all over the place. They are lethal Don't get me wrong, Jamie Dixon's put together a really nice season so far with TCU, but going on the road in this conference is incredibly difficult. And we're all over Baylor today. They're minus four. Um, I think that's worst-case scenario. I think this could also be a wire-to-wire win, maybe some free throws at the end to cover our number, but Baylor minus four, very safe. They've lost a couple in a row on the road. They're going to come back home today, light it up, and keep winning at home, and they're going to cover four points against TCU. Yeah, Baylor at home 10-0, as we've stated. Uh, they score about 84 points a game at home. Uh, they're giving up only about 69. I know uh, TCU is actually pretty good on the road. They're 3-2 and two, yeah. uh, against the spread. However, I think that defense will really shut down TCU today. It may come down to the last couple of free throws at the end. But I believe that they will get the cover. Uh, I really like them at home. Again, home teams this year in college basketball, it's been where it's been at. And and unranked teams, again, playing against ranked teams has just been another thing to look at mm-hmm. uh, when you're looking at that um, on the, the, the home team and the road team. Uh-huh. But again, with today with Baylor minus four, take care of business. They're at home. That's the big thing here. And they bounce back. And the fact that they've lost two in a row makes me love them a lot. They have four losses all season. I highly doubt they're going to go on a three-game losing streak. No, not Scott, at home. Scott Drew, championship-level head coach. They'll get He'll get those guys ready. They're going to be – look out for those guards. Those, those guards Baylor have can really light it up. It's going to be interesting. Baylor to cover four. That wraps up our, our, our Big 12 segment in this episode <laughs> 301 as we give four Big 12 teams in a row – we transition now to a league that may be the most improved league in the nation this year, mm-hmm. and that's the Mountain West. <clears throat> Down year last year, a couple years ago, they got four teams to the dance, which was a league record. This year, you're looking at potentially this Mountain West league to be a four-bid league. Mm-hmm. You look at Utah State, Boise, New Mexico, San Diego State, Nevada, and Colorado State. Every single one of those teams can get to the second weekend in the dance. And today, you have a game up in Boise with Boise State and Utah State. Utah State, they lost damn near their whole team from last year, and they come in with a 17-2 and record. Whatever, whatever that coach is doing up there, they're just reloading. They had some guys at the portal. Steven Ashworth, their point guard, went to Creighton. Yep. Lost a couple guys to the NBA. Utah State was a tournament team last year. Lost to San Diego State in the Mountain West title game by, by three. And San Diego State played in the national championship last year. Mm-hmm. 
Boise looking to get back to the tournament after missing it last year. They did make it uh, two years ago, and they run they run a pretty good squad. They still got Maxi Rice on that team, who's really good. This just fits the criteria that we've seen all too often. Um, Boogie and I talked about the importance of home teams, but I'll give I'll take it a step further. When you see a ranked team on the road at a home team that's unranked, and that home team is favored, there's only one way to play it. Boise State's going to beat Utah State today, um, and that's where we're going. Boise State Broncos out of the Mountain West at home, money line, minus $1.45 to knock off Utah State today. And to back that up, Boise State has not given up uh, more than uh, – well, they've, they've actually not allowed 70 points in the conference game all season. They're 5-1 and one in conference play. Their defense is ranked 26th in the nation. Uh, their opponent's only scoring 30.1% of their threes and taking 16.7 trips to the free throw line. This team locks down, locks down especially at home, um, and that's where we're going here. Uh, Utah State is obviously is going to be a good, good team this year. They're mm-hmm. ranked, uh, but again, we're going with that, that theory. Ranked team on the road against an unranked team, unranked team favorite. Got to go with Boise State. Boise State minus 145 on the money line. Boise State, similar to a BYU in Wisconsin, they do things a little bit differently, like you said, locking down on defense, but the balance of their attack, they have an eight-man rotation. Four of those guys average double figures. You got four guys that score the basketball consistently. The other four guys do that dirty work. They take charges. They play good defense. They share the basketball very well balanced. Another top 10 team in assists and defense. That's going to be the key here. At, I mean, when you look at a roster with an eight-man rotation and you got four guys in double figures and the other four average between three and six, those guys that are averaging three and six have a role on this team. Mm-hmm. And they play their roles very well. Being at home, Boise, once again, at home, very good record at home. They will knock off Utah State today because in the – in what world does a 17-2 and two ranked team deserve to be an underdog? Well, I, I got another example for you real quick here as we run through this. Boise State's playing at home unranked, right? Uh-huh. UNLV was unranked last week against Utah State at UNLV at the Thomas & Mack Center. I believe they were getting about seven. And UNLV should have won the game uh, outright. Yeah. Uh, I think they had the, 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 uh, the lead with about... Maybe under a minute to go. They were up five. They wound up losing the game uh, and lost only by a couple of points. Utah State on the road, again, could not score. That's the way this balance has been in college basketball. So, again, they're on the road. They should be able to – Boise should be able to take care of business outright with this win. Similar to, like, I can't wait for that Big 12 tournament because it's transitioning to a 14-team bracket. Oh, yeah. Number one and two seeds get buys, Mm -hmm. uh, double buys or whatever. It's going to be nuts. But this Mountain West tournament out here, man, this might have to be something we look into because if you're looking at this being a six-bid league, you're going to have that semi – when it gets down to the semifinals, man, you're going to have teams – like, Anyone's game. It's anybody's game, ball game. I'm looking at six programs that can win the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Boise State money line. Let's transition a little bit to the Pac-12, which historically has been one of our better leagues. I know this year in football it was fantastic mm-hmm. for us. We cast Pac-12 football and followed Pac-12. And it's good that 
for those of you on the East Coast to have us out here monitoring this league, both in basketball and football, because the games on the East Coast don't start till freaking midnight. Yep. We know a lot about this Pac-12. And one thing we know about Arizona and Oregon, these two programs, two NCAA tournament caliber teams, number one and number three respectively in the Pac-12 as it sits, Oregon dominates Arizona at home. You watched Arizona lose the buzzer to Oregon State the other night, which was incredible. The problem that uh, Arizona runs into is teams that like to slow it down. We saw that last year in the NCAA tournament when they got knocked out by 15-seed Princeton. Yep, Teams that slow it down can beat these guys. They're loaded. You're not going to want to play a high-transition game with these guys. But the problem they run into is if they can't speed you up, they are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Dana Altman. He is one of the chess player coaches in this racket. He finds ways to beat teams like this. Oregon's at home. Arizona has not won at Oregon since 2015, and they're not going to win there today. And here's what's funny about it. Oregon's a four-point underdog. Mm. And we know what we say about the underdogs. You think they're going to win, take the points. We're taking the Ducks plus four. Boogie and I's next play, 2 o'clock on Fox. As well as Caleb Love, the transfer from North Carolina, has ball been playing hog. ball hog big time. This this kid is he's a shooter. Uh, he'll continue shooting, but again, with Arizona and some of their their star players, this team is obviously going to be uh, one of the favorites to win the championship this year. Yeah, but they do not play very well together or on the road. Look at their last two road games. So they're five and four as well. Uh, their last nine games. Mm. Oregon, ha- I got a stat for you. Oregon has beaten. Oregon has beaten Arizona at home. Has not lost to them since <coughs> since 2015. Also, here's another stat for you. Arizona has not lost three games in a row, or double. I'm sorry, back-to-back games in the last in the last four years, three years. Wow! So it's going to be a toss-up here. I don't think so, though. I think Oregon dominates here. I think Oregon wins this game outright. Uh, you're looking at an Oregon team that can shoot. Arizona cannot stop the three. Nope. They rank, I believe, 211th in the nation as well in turnovers per game. Uh, they are 90th in field goal defense, 166th in three-point defense. Um, I, I mean, this is all Oregon here. I think Oregon wins the game outright, but we're going to catch them plus four. Plus four Oregon, maybe an outright winner, 2 o'clock Fox. Our last college game of today's cards at 3 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. We go to the Atlantic 10. Day 10. A lot of people were saying prior to the season start this was going to be a one-bid league and it was going to be Dayton's league all year long, and they have not been wrong. Dayton comes in at 16-2, and 6-0 in conference play, led by first-team All-American candidate Deron Holmes, 20 points, 8 boards a game. He lights it up. Richmond at home, also undefeated in conference. These are the two top teams in the A-10. If all chalk prevails and the cream rises to the top in Pittsburgh for this conference tournament in March, you will be looking at these two teams in a rematch for the Atlantic 10 title. We know the last time that Richmond played in the Atlantic 10 title. They won. Richmond. They won the Atlantic 10 title. And then what they do after that, Boogie? They beat Iowa as a double-digit underdog in the first round of the NCAA tournament. 
This team's looking to get, to get back. They missed the NCAA tournament last year. Dayton's looking to get back there for the first time in a number of years. Dayton has been the dog of this conference, and Richmond's right there with them. For those of you that don't know, Richmond is third in the country against the spread. They have the third best against the spread record out of 363 teams. They're at home, and guess what, everybody? The Richmond Spiders are undefeated at home. They have a kid on their team as well named Jordan King, Mm. senior guard from Albany, New York. 19 points a game, shooting 48% from the field. Very, very impressive team. Very, very impressive potential win here for Richmond to knock off the top dog. But like I said, both these teams are 6-0 in conference. Winner of this game will have the outright number one spot going forward in the A-10. We think Richmond has an opportunity to defeat Dayton here. Love them at home today. And when you think they can win, take the points. Same exact line, Richmond plus four. Richmond plus four, baby. Two top dogs in the A-10 going at it. I think it's going to be a dog fight. Um, I'm not saying it's going to go under, but... You could probably put a little star there as as a close under here. But our play here has got to be Richmond. Uh, neither team has lost since Christmas. So they're both on fire right now. Flyers are 10-0 over the last 10 games. They're 4-1 on the road this season. But Richmond's 14-5 against the spread with a 9-9-1 over under here. Mm-hmm. Spiders are also 9-1 over their last 10 games. And they're 10-0 in Buffalo this season where they play Give me Richmond in a close game, plus four. Richmond Spiders, plus four, up another potential outright winner. Now we have bigger fish to fry us. Tomorrow is Championship Sunday. Every single week the last few weeks, we've been talking about how it gets better and better. The wild card weekend was great with those six games. The divisional weekend was great with those four games, with three of the four games being decided by one possession. And now you now it's down to four, man. It's down to four. Final four. We're in that transitional period where we got the championship games, and then we got the the Super Bowl, and then after that, it's all college baskets. We're trying to incorporate a little college baskets into today's pod. Catch your winners and roll them tomorrow. That's the whole plan here. With a seven-game card, we're looking to be positive in the unit category, to where we provide you guys with some firepower going into these huge matchups. AFC and NFC Championship games. It all begins at noon on CBS tomorrow with the Chiefs and the Ravens. A lot of storylines here. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Amazing quarterback matchup. These two teams, the three and the one seed respectively. Baltimore obviously got home field. And it's looking like it's going to be one hell of a game with the defending Super Bowl chance against a one seed. Both of these teams have won Super Bowls. Both of these coaches have won Super Bowls. This is going to be an unbelievable contest. Kansas City won their first two games. They crushed Miami in the Cold Bowl 26-7. And then last week, man, just going up to Buffalo, beating Buffalo again. Mahomes, this has been Josh Allen's kryptonite. Got the Brady-Manning vibes, man. I and, uh, own you! I'll tell you, man, he really does. And uh, shout out to him. Tough to bet against the defending champs here. Um, also tough to bet against Baltimore, who dominated Houston 34-10 last week. Um, dominating performance. Boogie and I went back and forth on this a lot, and we we talked about it, and we'll, we'll full disclosure, we could see Baltimore dominating this game. We could also see Kansas City beating them outright. Because mm-hmm. um, how do you bet against Mahomes in January? Right. 
The guy's lost three playoff games in his career, and he's 14-3 and in the postseason. His sixth consecutive AFC Championship game, looking to get to another Super Bowl. Look at that. Our, our phones are ringing off the hook. They're calling us. I believe that it's got to be one of those things where defense prevails in this game. We have – sorry about that. We have the two best defenses in the NFL in this game. Baltimore is the first defense. Kansas City is the second. You see names like Jackson and Mahomes, and you want to go over. Not so fast, my friends. They're calling for rain in the forecast. It's going to be a nice weather, not 49 degrees from a temperature's perspective. A little bit of rain. Kansas City already got the dropsies. Both of these teams play lethal defense. We're going under. We're going under, and uh, the fact that the unders that we gave last week didn't play out, I believe the unders are coming, especially in a late January rainy day with the two best teams and the two best defenses. Under 45, Chiefs-Ravens. See you at the window, 24-20, worst-case scenario. You're still under. Chiefs-Ravens under 45. Yeah, this was a game that I really was interested in, and it's obviously going to be a game... I think it'll be more interesting for the public to watch this game uh, to see if Mahomes can beat the front runner to be the MVP of the league this year, Lamar Jackson. This Ravens team, obviously, they took care of business on Christmas Day against the 49ers, who a lot of people think is going to be a rematch for the Super Bowl. Uh, we also have... Uh, a resurgence in offense scored from the uh, fact that the Chiefs have been able to to get some points going. Uh, however, uh, last week they were able to be dominant uh, against the Bills. On the Bills couldn't stop them on the run. You know what? That's where the Ravens can go ahead and take care of their side of the ball because they are very good against the run. Uh, both teams give up about 17, 16 points uh, for each. Like my partner said, we got number one and number two in defense. Uh, you're looking at possibly a little bit of weather. Not much, but a little bit of rain. Uh, and again, it's the last game before the big game, before the Super Bowl. Maybe some of these teams play a little bit tight. You know Lamar is going to be trying to run the ball a little bit. Runs the clock. I like the under here as yes, well. And that's where we're playing here. Chiefs-Ravens under 45 is our play. Under 45 points. One last interesting tidbit of this game. Patty Mahomes is playing in his sixth consecutive AFC Championship game. The previous five were all at Arrowhead. Mm -hmm. Last week, he played his first road playoff game. This is his first road AFC Championship game out of the six. This is also Baltimore's first home AFC Championship game in franchise history. Mahomes has his first road game in Baltimore, and it's their first home game. You can't make this stuff up. In Baltimore's previous couple runs to the Super Bowl, they were on the road in the AFC Championship game. In 2000 with that good defense, and the year that John beat Jim with the 49ers, in that AFC Championship game, they had the uh, the crazy miracle in Denver where uh, Jacoby Jones caught that bomb from Joe Flacco. First home AFC Championship game for the Ravens against 
Patty Mahomes' first road AFC Championship game. Unbelievable stuff. I got a side note here for you for this under as well. I love it. Did you know that the Ravens with 261 points given up and the Chiefs 271 points given up ranked <coughs> first and second respectfully mm-hmm. in terms of fewest offensive points allowed this season among teams. Yep. The two teams also occupy the top two spots in terms of sacks. The Ravens led the NFL with 60, while the Chiefs checked in as close second with 57. Oh, baby. Baltimore held the opposition under 20 points in 11 of its 17 regular season games, including matching San Francisco for the most such performance in the league. Kansas City, meanwhile, was the only team in the league this year to not allow 30 points to an opponent. Yikes. I mean, I can go on and on. That's a beautiful stat, Boogs. I love it. I absolutely love it. Under Chiefs-Ravens, under 45. It appears to me that the team that scores 20-some points is going to win this game, and I think someone might be left in the teens there. Um, 20-17, to 23-17. I mean, and we talk about it all the time. Defense wins championships. All the time. These are the two best defenses in the conference and in the league. Mm Mm-hmm. And people, and, and even I looked at the money situation. It's like the majority of bets are on the over, sharp players on the under, or sharp players we take the under. It's going to be a little rainy. Those defenses, the sacks, the turnovers, field flips, two good kickers, maybe a lot of field goals. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe go with that Butker Justin Tucker maybe over prop. You know, against a great defense like the Ravens. Maybe the Chiefs have a little bit of dropsies tomorrow. Yeah, there's a lot that could work. In our favor, and 45 is a good number to have in this game. We're and Pacheco's uh, questionable also tomorrow. Uh, and Joe Tooney as well. Yes, and Tooney's out with yeah. a pectoral issue. So Chiefs might have some issues on the offense. Under 45, you heard it here first. The second game on our docket of this doubleheader of Championship Sunday pits the upstart Detroit Lions and the overwhelming favorite San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco really squeaked by the skin of their teeth last week. They had the bye 24-21 against Green Bay. Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown with about a minute to go, and then Jordan Love threw an interception, sealed the deal. Niners survive in advance. The Lions have also done their best job of surviving in advancing, a one-point win in the wild card round against the Rams at home, and an eight-point win against Tampa Bay last week. Um, the great story. For, for the Lions, it's so good to see them in this position. Um, and as a fan, I'm pretty sure I speak for all of us when we say that we are really rooting for you, Detroit. Um, from a team that hasn't had a playoff game in 30 years, fast forward to right now, and, and they got two home playoff wins this, this postseason. They go on the road for the first time. And I want to throw a tidbit out there. They're, they're wearing their all-whites tomorrow. Mm. Um they're wearing their all-white uniforms. Do you know they busted those all-white unis out several times this year, and they're undefeated when they wear the all-whites. Love that stat. And the all-whites are clean on Detroit with those silver and blue helmets. The bottom line here is we know Debo got cleared to play, and we know that they're undefeated when Debo plays. Going to be a pretty tall order for Detroit to go up there and beat those guys. We understand that San Francisco has a better roster. But you know where I think Detroit wins in this situation? Mm. The head coach and the quarterback. I believe Dan Campbell's a better head coach than Kyle Shanahan. I believe Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. They also 
you know, you look at C-Mac at running back, obviously he's the best in the league. You probably give them a check mark. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery have been a very good one-two punch for no these guys. No stops there. And when you look at the receivers, when you got you got Debo and you got uh, Brandon Ayuk, I, and um, but Amon Ross St. Brown has been really first-team All-Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Reynolds as well. I would venture to say the wide receiver rooms for these two programs are da- damn near even, and I'm starting to think Detroit might have a better tight end. Rookie tight end Sam Laporta. Laporta? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Kittle against Laporta. Kittle and Laporta. Pretty evenly matched mm-hmm. when you think about that. Offensive line, same deal. Mm-hmm. Defense, that's a different story. We all know San Francisco has a better defense. Lines are going to have to lock up. Dan Campbell just finds a way to get the best out of these players. I think Detroit is going to come to play. Um, and I think a t- getting a touchdown here with a like. We always say if you think they can win the game, take the points. I do believe Detroit could go up here and shock the world. I do believe that. I don't think that is out of the realm of possibility by any means, any stretch of the imagination. And I think logically and emotionally, we will be Lions fans on Sunday. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it with our wallets. We're going to do it with our hearts. And we are going to root for the Detroit Lions in this spot. That'd be so cool to see the Lions play in the Super Bowl. Free after cool. years of misery. Um, we're taking the Lions. We're taking the seven points. I think they give them everything they want and more. They squeaked by Green Bay by three. I think the Lions are really gonna bring it. And they're they're running hot right now. They're running really hot. If it wasn't for a fluky one point loss where a two point conversion at Dallas was called back on December thirtieth. This team would be on a freaking seven-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're rolling with them. Uh, we're going to take Detroit here getting seven points um, with a possibility of going up to Santa Clara and shocking the world. I mean, here's the thing. Dan Campbell has been, since his press conference, uh, as the uh, introduction of being the new head coach for the Detroit Lions, has been just unbelievable. The emotions as this guy shows his team believes in him and they play hard for him. You know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They play really, really hard. Uh, halftime adjustments are great with him as well. Um, and this 49ers team, you know, sometimes Purdy is off sometimes. Yeah. You don't know how he's going to come out. Obviously, Debo is a factor. Is he completely healthy? I don't believe so. I know he's going to give it his all. And I think that. Detroit has a chance to win this game outright. Um, I think that the emotional factor, though, is going to play big with Detroit. You're giving me seven. And you are obviously (coughs) big-time underdog here with San Francisco being the favorite all season long to, to win the Super Bowl, to win the big game. And now you're at home. If you're San Francisco, it's theirs for the taking. But the facts are we know, we know from sports history, the best team doesn't always win. And when you're giving me seven points with an emotional factor, and that's what sports is, yeah. man, we, we play it all the time. We, we are, we live it every day. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we look up to a lot of these, these teams and these organizations and these players individually uh, for our outside 
um, ambitions. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Lions have a shot to win this game outright. Yes, they do. The Packers had a very good chance of beating San Francisco last week. Yeah. On the road, no less. You're telling me the Lions can't win this game outright? Give me the Lions plus a seven. Lions plus seven. And that wraps up our card. Go Lions. I'll be watching that game. Uh, Must-see TV at 3.30 on Fox. Boogie, these nine plays we gave out today, the seven college and the two NFL for tomorrow, has a very good mixture of different angles is what I was – when you were giving your breakdown there, I was kind of doing some counting. Nine plays, right? Yep. Three favorites to cover, two small favorites on the money line at home to win in college basketball, three underdogs to cover, two in college basketball plus the Lions and an under. That's about as squeaky clean as you could possibly get because we all know at the end of the day, it's usually the dogs, the favorites, the overs, the unders, they all even out. Lions plus seven, Chiefs, Ravens under 45. Today, we have Richmond plus four and Oregon plus four late. Boise State money line to beat Utah State. Baylor minus four against TCU. BYU minus seven against Texas. Oklahoma money line to defeat Texas Tech. Houston just tipped everybody minus 15. Go bet an in-game. If you can grab an in-game less than 15, 15 or less, go ahead and snag that. It's a 20-point dub. Great show. Uh, Love it. We're in the 300s now. We're going to keep leveling up. We appreciate your guys' time. We got a lot of work to do and a lot of money to make, so have an awesome weekend. Be safe. Enjoy all the college basketball and football, and we'll catch you guys next weekend for a recap of this and uh, more action. Bear now. Boogie out.